Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Pardes Institute of Jewish Studies. This episode of Pardes from Jerusalem features Rabbi Michael Emerson on Parashat Naso. Five days, 28 class options, and one memorable summer learning experience. The Pardes Learning Seminar, Summer 2021, is online this year from July 4th to July 8th. Cultivating Courage and Resilience, Chazak Ve'ematz. Be sure to get more information at www.pardes.org.il forward slash seminar. Communal leaders, professionals, lifelong learners, and most importantly, you. Join us today. And now, here is Rabbi Michael Emerson. Parshat Naso contains a variety of topics, but the one that really piques my interest is the Birkat Kohanim, the priestly blessing. One of the reasons it's so special is it's actually the oldest surviving fragment of biblical literature that we have. Archaeologists in Jerusalem found a scroll from 2,700 years ago in a First Temple era grave containing the famous words of the Birkat Kohanim. Now, on a personal level, one of the reasons why it's so interesting to me is I am a Kohen. I was born a Kohen. And, uh, you know, from a very young age, I remember feeling a certain amount of special status, a certain cachet to being a Kohen. In fact, I think one of the first times I ever did Birkat Kohanim, I uh, got, got up there, you know, got my hands washed by a very close friend of ours who was a Levi. He was a prominent businessman, someone important. He washed my hands. And then I'd forgotten to untie my shoes. And he said, okay, just this once, I'll give you the full service. I'll untie your shoes also. And I felt very special in that moment. I also remember as a teenager getting up to do Birkat Kohanim and being so focused on my singing and making sure that I sounded good that at one point I actually forgot what, what word came next and the rabbi had to do a little stage whisper, Vichuneka, to remind me where I was at. To me, being a Kohen felt like I was a born leader. I was part of this upper caste of some sort. I felt like I even had magical powers of some sort when I went up to Birka Kohanim and I had the spotlight on me and I could look out over the congregation and kind of see my friends and family. I felt very special. Getting to have the first Aliyah during Torah reading, leading Birkat Amazon, getting my own Talit at my Bar Mitzvah. These all helped me feel different and, and somewhat special. And in fact, this is maybe a little embarrassing, but I actually actively imagined my future as a Kohen in the Beit HaMikdash, receiving truma and other gifts. And I knew that as a lefty, there were some who said that I would not be able to work in the Beit HaMikdash. So I made sure to practice writing as a righty so that I would uh, be accepted. I really loved also thinking of myself as, you know, the peacemaker, like our own, even though more often than not, I was involved in the arguments and drama that was happening in my social circle. In short, though, I loved being a Kohen, and I thought I was very impressive. And I think this idea of the kahuna, of the priesthood, comes to a certain extent from the description of being a Kohen in Dvarim, not in our parsha, but in Dvarim, Yudchet, uh, where it says that the Kohanim were meant to be set aside. They were born into this. They have no portion, no nachla or inheritance with the rest of Israel. God is their inheritance. Uh, Adonai hu nachlato, 
and the people are meant to bring gifts and, and the choicest of their grains and their wines and their animals to the Kohanim. And the key line, Ki bo bachar Adonai Elohecha mikol shvatecha la'amod asharet v'shem Adonai hu v'anav kol yamim. For the Lord your God has chosen him out of all your tribes to stand and serve in the name of the Lord, he and his sons, all the days. So when I think about this and I think about the description of the Kohanim, it really fits with the way that I understood my role. I was set aside, I was born into this. This was something special. When we look a little bit closer, however, the role of the Kohen is a little more complicated than that, I think, as I've learned as I've grown up. And I want to take a look at the Birkat Kohanim. So before we get to our Parsha, the Birkat Kohanim is actually mentioned without the specific text, but it's mentioned first in Sefer Vayikra and Parshat Shmini. Aaron stands in front of the people and stands up there, hands raised, Vayisa Aaron et Yadav el Ha'am, Vayivarchem, and he blesses the people. And I'm imagining in my head, you know, people are cheering him on. Thanks, Aaron. You gave us a great blessing. Thank you. And Aaron is standing there in front of everyone with his hands high in the famous, you know, hand formation of the Kohanim. And it seems like Aaron is the real star of the show. But we don't actually have the text. And when we get to our Parsha, when we get to Parsha Naso, we have the famous text. Vayidaber Adonai al the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, thus shall you bless the people of Israel. Say to them, The Lord bless you and protect you. The Lord deal kindly and graciously with you. The Lord bestow his favor upon you and grant you peace. Thus they shall link my name with the people of Israel and I will bless them. Now at first glance, I think, these lines kind of support my teenage perspective of the Kohen and our special status. We, we the Kohenim were chosen by God to bless the people. And to do this, we have to go up in front of the people, stand up in front of everyone. No one else is allowed to look at us. And we get to say these special brachot, these special blessings that we get to transmit to the people. And holding your hands up there as a Kohen, I remember my hands felt almost magical, like I was giving over this special bracha. And it felt like these, you know, we were the real chosen, the choicest of God's chosen people. But as I said, things are a little bit more complicated than that. And when we actually take a look to investigate a little further into this bracha, the picture gets a little more complex. The first question that comes up is one of the most important, which is, what business does Aaron have blessing the people in the first place? Don't we know? Where does bracha usually come from? Isn't that God's job to bless the people? And this question is actually asked by a commentary by the Akedat Yitzchak, where he says, what purpose is actually served by the fact that this mitzvah says that the bracha has to come from the priest to the people? Isn't it God who blesses? And what does it matter whether the priests bless or refrain from doing so? Is it really up to them to assist God? There seems to be this question of what is happening here. Normally, the way we understand brachot, blessings come from God to the people. Why are the Kohanim stepping in here? And there's a second question which comes up, which is, what exactly did Aaron actually say when he gave over this bracha? 
And, and according, there's actually a machloket between Ramban and Rashi. Rash, Ramban takes the perspective that Aaron spontaneously spoke and may have delivered a, a blessing that he felt in that moment. Rashi takes the perspective that no, Aaron was saying a very specific formula of text, which is the formula that we get from Parshat Naso. There seems to be, at least when we look at the Pshat in Parshat Naso, there seems to be a certain sense that from that first Pasuk, this is how you bless them. And Morlehem, say to them this exact formula. This perspective is recorded explicitly by the Rashbam, the Rashi's grandson, the Rashbam, where he says, Rashbam suggests that don't, God is saying, don't bless them using your own words, as someone might say, may it be false so-and-so. Don't, this is not your job to come up with your own words in your own text. Rather, this is the exact formula you're going to use. And not only that, but Rashbam suggests, you're going to pray to me that I should bless them. Is that really what the Kohanim are commanded in? So, I think this raises a real question of, who exactly is doing the blessing? Is it God or the priests? And if we take a look at the last verse of this section in our parsha, it says quite clearly, Thus they shall link my name with the people of Israel and I will bless them. Oh, so doesn't that mean God is going to bless them? Well, who's them? That's the real question. The Talmud in Chulin 49a actually records this as a machloka between Rabbi Yishmael and Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Ishmael suggests that what do we learn from this verse? We learn that God is saying to them, the priest bless Israel, and the Holy One, God, blesses the priests. Who's the them? The them is the priests here. So you guys, you the Kohanim, you should give over the bracha to the people, and then I, God, will bless you. And Rabbi Kiva says, no. Rabbi Kiva says, what's happening here? The priests bless Israel, and then God affirms their blessing. And the word them is actually referring to Israel. So it's a real question. What role do the Kohanim have here? According to Rabbi Yishmael, the Kohanim are the ones actually giving a bracha, and then God is giving a different bracha or a similar bracha to the Kohanim themselves, whereas Rabbi Akiva suggests that the bracha is ultimately coming from almost like a partnership, between the Kohanim and God, God is affirming their blessing for the people. One way of understanding this idea, Rabbi Akiva's perspective in, in particular, comes in the Midrash Tanchuma, where the Midrash Tanchuma says, said B'nai Israel to God, Lord of the universe, you order the priests to bless us, but we only need your blessing. Look down from thy holy habitation and bless your people. And God replied to them, Though I order the priests to bless you, I stand with them together and bless you. So this seems to be expressing this idea of kind of a partnership between God and the Kohanim, where together they bless the people. We have other sources, though, which almost stream to sip, strip the Kohanim of their agency entirely. If we look in the Sifrei, how do we know that Israel should not say their blessings are dependent on the priests, and that the priests should not say, we shall bless Israel? The Torah states... And I will bless them. The Sifrei understands that God saying, I will bless them, means God is saying, I'm the one doing the blessing. 
And we have in Sifrei Zota, another source that takes it even further. You might think that if they, the priests, desired to bless Israel, they would be blessed, and that if they did not, they would not be blessed. Meaning, you might think it's up to the Kohanim, do the people get blessed or not? And it cites the Torah, which says, I will bless them. Meaning, I will bless them no matter what. There's no question. God is saying, I will bless them. That's not up to the Kohanim. In the Chizkuni, he suggests, God blesses the Israelites in response to the priests invoking this blessing. The priests are never to take credit for having blessed the people, as the blessing stems from the Lord, whose messengers they are. Meaning, ultimately, all these sources kind of go in the direction of suggesting that the Kohanim shouldn't be taking credit for the bracha. The Kohanim are not actually giving the bracha. It's God, ultimately, who's giving the bracha, and that's where the bracha comes from, and in some ways they are only the messenger or the vehicle for it. And this idea, I think, comes out of the strictness of this idea that they are giving over a very specific text in a very specific way. Rav Hirsch actually points to the death of Nadav and Avio, of Aaron's two sons, a few parshiot back, as exploring this idea a bit in that what type of service does God want from us? God wants service exactly the way that God commanded. But service which the Lord did not command, meaning the things that we just decide spontaneously, for the Kohanim, that was not appropriate. And in fact, no deviation was permitted. And so this is the exact way you have to bless the people. And when do you do how do you do it? With this text. And when do you do it? Only after being summoned by the congregation to recite the blessing with the representative, the Shriach Tzibor, acting as the prompter. So the congregation invokes the divine blessing through the vocal medium of the priests. So suddenly we're saying, hey, it's not just up to this spontaneous deliverance of a bracha from someone like Aaron. This is about a very specific choreography, a very specific formula, a very specific way that God wants to transmit God's bracha to the people. But ultimately, it's God's bracha to the people, and the Kohanim are simply standing kind of in between as this vehicle, this conduit between God and the people. And I think when I think about this perspective a bit more, it really pushes me to understand how I was so mistaken as a teenager in the way that I thought of myself as a Kohen. Being a Kohen might feel special in some way, but it's ultimately not about lifting myself up and making myself putting myself on a pedestal as God's special representative. Rather, being a Kohen is all about serving others, not about serving yourself. It's not about what am I getting, it's what am I giving? How am I being with the people? Ultimately, it's about connecting others to God and using the tools that I've been given to enable this connection. When I think back to some of the laws of the Kohen, of the Kuhuna, I look at them in a new light. Not owning your own land is not because, oh, God is your inheritance and therefore you live off the largesse of others, but it's because your job is to spread out among the people. Your job is to be the religious, almost tentacles of God and spread out among the people. Being a Kohen is about serving in the temple and bringing the people closer to God. It's about being called upon in times of religious and spiritual need to help the people figure out a path forward. You know, you think about cases like Tzarat, when you go to the Kohen to ask, what do I do and how do I correct the situation? Or the case of the Egla Arufa, where the Kohen is called to officiate over this momentary problem of how do we deal with the loss of an innocent life? 
and who's responsible? There's one further point that's worth mentioning, I think. And while we don't have time to delve into each phrase in the bracha and all the various interpretations of the commentators, because that would be more than a podcast on its own, it is worth mentioning one specific interpretation of the first line. The first line, remember, Yivarecha Adonai V'yishmarecha. And most commentators, including Rashi and many others, interpret this line as being about material prosperity and asking God to grant the people material success and protection. The Natsiv, Rev. Naftali Tzvi Yehuda Berlin, modifies this approach slightly and suggests that actually it is about something a little bit more individual to the receiver of the blessing. And he says, may God bless you. Included in this is whatever is appropriate for each person to be blessed with. For one who deals in Torah, to be blessed in their study. For one who deals in commerce, to be blessed in their merchandise. Thus, it's included in this general blessing, may God bless you, an additional blessing for each person about what they have. And then the Nitziv continues, V'yishmerecha, and protect you. What specific protection is it? Every blessing requires protection so that it does not become an obstacle, God forbid. So a master of Torah needs protection from pride, from ga'ava, possibly desecrating God's name, and similarly that they not forget their learning. And, on a, and a property owner, on the other hand, needs protection that their wealth not be to their detriment, and also, obviously, protection from theft and loss. So when I saw this interpretation, it further bolstered this idea of the Kohen being not about himself, but about thinking about others. And how? what do I mean? The Kohen is asked to think about each and every individual. The bracha of the Kohen that's coming from God is not about just a blanket, you know, hey, here's a bracha for everyone. It's about each and every individual and focusing on their specific needs and how to help them achieve their personal goals. In this way, what I think when I think of the Kohen is the Kohen is the ultimate Jewish educator. Someone who teaches Torah has to be humble and modest enough to understand that they're not the source of the Torah that they're teaching. It's God's Torah. We are but the vehicle through which we pass it on to our students. And our job as a Jewish educator is to focus on the individual and communal needs of others and always put our students in the community first. So when I go back and I kind of speak to my teenage self and think about how I used to think about being a Kohen, what I realize now is being born a Kohen is not about being born into some elite VIP caste. It's about being born into a life of service and commitment to God. It's not about oh, I get to go up on the bima and have someone else untie my shoes and wash my hands and have everyone's eyes on me, but actually it's about reminding the people to have their eyes on God. Lifting up your hands is not about showing the power of my hands, but similar to Moshe during the battle against Amalek, lifting up your hands was meant to remind the people of God and that ultimately the source of bracha comes from God to the people. There's nothing magical in my fingers. I'm not a king who's getting my hands washed because I'm special. Rather, I'm being called to model the type of avodah service that God expects. I'm trying to purify myself before God so that I can be an appropriate vehicle, a conduit for God's blessing. And ultimately, I'm covering my face with my talit so the attention is not on me. My job is to help awaken the people spiritually and to try to remind God of why the people are in need of God's blessing and love. And I think... One of the messages that I think comes out of all this, 
Rabbi, the late Rabbi Sachs puts very well in one of his essays. He says, The Kohanim were to be role models of what it is for humans to care for the welfare of others. I believe that Birkat Kohanim contains a vital message for us today. A society whose members seek one another's welfare is holy and blessed. Ultimately, being a Kohen is about that life of service and about the service for others. And it's about channeling God's blessing into this world and helping the receivers be ready to accept and receive that blessing from God and ultimately to bring those two sides together and form that stronger connection between God above and the people below. It's been a pleasure learning with you as always, and I hope you have a wonderful week. Shavuot Tov, and I look forward to learning with you again in the future. Thank you for downloading this podcast, a production of the Pardes Institute of Jewish Studies. If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts. Be sure to sign up with us on Spotify for the latest episodes of Pardes from Jerusalem. And be sure to tune in next week as we discuss Parashat Baha'at Locha. Thanks for listening.